this fucking Google, Julie. Why wouldn't a search be included? That's what makes us a great duo. Yes. One of us listens, one of us doesn't. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes scary, but always fun. (laughs) Yeah, you're never sure if you should take your hands off and put them up in the air or hang on tight. Uh, Read my fucking headline, Bozo the Clown. I'm already a best-selling author. Welcome to Defeat the Chaos, everybody. I'm Corey with Julie, as usual, and we are proud to be talking to you today on Defeat the Chaos, because I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now. It's been a while since... uh, Since you've done an intro? uh, Yes. Yeah, so so Defeat the Chaos? Who's the show for? uh, It's for, you know, our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) It's for small business owners, entrepreneurs, the go-getters of the world. It's for winners, not losers. Yeah, scram losers. Exactly. Yeah, we haven't said that in a while. We haven't said that in a while. And on uh, today's show, Julie and I are going to get into the conversation of storytelling and a couple of other topics, I'm sure. And we're going to do a little bit differently today because we are going to re-air a a podcast that we had um, a little while ago with the hosts of Red Pilled America, Patrick Karelchi and Adriana Cortez. They're going to be on... Well, they were on our show, but we're going to rebroadcast that um, so you can, because uh, we thought it was so good, you should listen to it twice. Well, also, we, I think we have two different listening audiences between BizQuick and Red Pill. <laughs> we don't have Red Pill America. We love Red Pill, <laughs> yes. but between Defeat the Chaos and BizQuick, and we just wanted to share the you know, the art of storytelling, which is what Patrick and Adriana are so phenomenal at. And, um, their, their podcast is literally like, it's just, it, it's, it's achingly good. And so I, Corey and I sat down and thought, let's, let's introduce this podcast onto, onto, uh, defeat the chaos. But well, so we'll do that on the second part. There's only two parts of the show today, but so before we, you know, pause for commercial break, Let's uh, let's get into some things. Let's do it. What do you want to talk about? Well, I have a couple of things that um, are interesting. I'm the first one is this. You know, we usually we won't we we haven't done it. We didn't do it last week. We won't do it this week. But um, we typically make a gambling pick on our shows, right? And we may not get back into gambling picks again until June, right? Depending on what happens. We've got there's a lot going on in May with your restaurant opening. So most of our shows are pre records and we're just, you know, we're 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 under the pressure of, you know, time is not our friend right now. Correct. So we're doing everything we can to still be putting content out, but we have to get a little bit creative. So anyway, we're not making gambling picks as a result um but it will come back but i am curious if you are familiar with prospect theory Mm, explain it so prospect theory essentially is that we are um more afraid of okay so prospect theory asserts that people are much more affected by losing something than they than by gaining something Okay. Yes. So I'm familiar with the concept. I didn't know how to name, but yes, that makes sense. Right. So what I would say, when I think about prospect theory, I think about the concept of chasing money as a gambler. Yes. Right. You get much more risk tolerant when you are stacking losses and you want to get on the other side of it. Correct. Yeah. Which was evidenced by, 
your gambling pick two weeks ago when you did a really three-way parlay, which hit, by the way. Hit it? Yeah. Nice. All right. And I put real money on it too, so. Excellent. Well, I love it when we win with real money. Yes, exactly. And I am I lost last week. Or that oh, week. you did? Yeah. It's about time. <laughs> Exactly. But anyway, I just was curious, you know, prospect theory, just, it reminds me of gambling and people chasing money. And that's why Monday night football is the most popular game of the week to gamble on because people are chasing money. Yes. Usually. Um, And I was just thinking about how it relates to, you know, business and how we're much more likely to like, we think about it even from wins or losses in your business. Like you get a big sale and you don't really, eh, hey, nice work. And then you just keep chugging forward, right? But if you lose out, if you lose a big client or you lose out on a big sale at the last minute that you're pretty sure you're going to get, it just hits different. It feels different. And, and it, you take you take it much more personally than a, than a win. Yeah, and I think that people are more likely to like you dwell, like the the losses hurt more than the wins feel good. So yeah. like the like it, it's easy to dwell on your losses because that like that it, it stings. It, yeah. it, it sits there more than oh, I had a win. Cool, let's keep moving. It's fuck. What did we do? Let's go back and figure this out. You dwell on it. You try and fix it. Like you you talk about everything that went wrong and how you can improve on it instead of saying hey. We had a win. What did we do right? Let's do it better next time. Let's dwell on the wins. Yeah. And that also brings up a interesting kind of conversation I had with a, a, a coworker years ago where he was talking about the fact that children don't really have an idea of sunk cost and adults do. And so that's why businesses are willing to like double down and triple down and why gamblers are willing to risk money because you have like you got to learn when to cut your losses. But like like a, a child will spend 15 minutes trying to figure something out. And if they can't figure it out, they're like, screw it. And they move on to the next thing. And they don't even think about the fact that they just spent 15 minutes, like what the quote unquote wasted 15 minutes trying to figure out a thing. Whereas like an adult's like, well, I've already spent 15 minutes on this. I need to spend another 15. I need to spend another hour. I need to put another thousand dollars. Like, like the, all of those things. Cause you're trying to recoup, recoup that time that, that there's resources you spent. You don't want it to be wasted. Exactly. You want to lose it. Yeah. That's interesting. So basically we teach kids about, wasted time or sunk costs. Well, I think it's a learned thing because like once you once you start grasping things like money or time and you realize that your time on this earth is finite and for most yeah. of you not me. Um and that <laughs> it's because you're a robot. <laughs> exactly. Um but the it, it, you don't want to you don't want to lose it. And if you've already spent that, you're like, "Well, I need to do whatever I can to ma- make <clears throat> that time I spent worth it." I have to uh, justify what I just did in order for it to make sense for me. Mm, yeah. You know what else I want to talk about? I want to talk about Elon Musk. All right, go ahead. Um, I, I love, I love how hard he's trolling everybody right now. Okay. I mean, you, have you seen the stories on what he has, what he did to Bill Gates? I didn't see that. No. <laughs> so he basically, so, so for, you know, just you know, kind of the backstory here is that when, uh, months and months and months ago, um, Bill Gates shorted Tesla stock by, he took out 500 
million dollars in Tesla stock shorts on mm-hmm. Tesla stock, right? And he's very public about it that he did it. So fast forward a couple of weeks ago, Bill Gates sends Elon a text and says, hey, I'd love to get together and like do some philanthropic philanthropic, philanthropic work together. I really think that you could do some good for the world and some of the things that we're working on. We'd love to include you. And Elon responded back and said, are you still shorting Tesla? (laughs) And Gates said, yeah, I'm, I regret to tell you I'm still holding that position. And Elon said, I can't work with somebody who says that they believe that there's an energy crisis and then shorts the one company doing the most in the world to really help the, help the planet. So no, I'm not working with you. And then he posted, he, he tweeted out a, a meme of, it's a picture of Bill Gates in a blue shirt looking a little pregnant. And the emoji with the pregnant dude. And then he literally wrote in there, if you want to bo- lose a boner real fast, here you go. Wow. <laughs> Good for Elon. He's uh, uh, everything. There, There's a, a conspiracy theory out there. Um, and I don't even really say I, 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 it's very believable. But basically the whole point of him trying to buy Twitter is to expose how much the government is in bed with social media because they're using that they're they're funding social media platforms to get information. And so the point of him trying to buy Twitter is to expose how bad it really is. Oh, I haven't heard that. That's the, that's the theory. And the funny part is when I tell that to people, they're like, "Oh no, that's crazy. Why like there's no reason that's why he's buying Twitter." Nobody ever questions the fact that the government is probably funding, definitely funding social media. Oh, the government is definitely funding social media. Yes. 100%. And he's just been getting more and more aggressive with what he's doing, which I personally, I'm here for it. I love it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I am as well. So, uh, Elon, reach out to us. Say what's up, dog. (laughs) That's right. I just called you dog. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So what's next? What do you got? What do we bring into the table Storytelling. today? Storytelling. Let's oh, get into yeah, it. Man, Storytelling. Yes. H- hugely important. For, it is. I, I just think for society in general, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a, the easiest way to learn. Yes. Right? To retain information. And I think there is a decline in people's ability to do it. I agree, but why do you think so? Well, I just think there's a decline in society overall. Sure. And people are getting dumber and dumber. Sure. Um, but I also think we, as we become more and more narcissistic and, you know, we're look, think looking, everything is about social media for a lot of people that we're not, we're not telling stories that are of interest to everybody we're telling stories that are of interest to ourselves right so we're not educating through story we're just like hey here's how you can learn more about me i'm gonna tell you a story about me 
It's like the most boring conversation you'll ever have with somebody is when all you do is talk about yourself and all they do is talk about themselves. Right. That's not, that's not even communicating. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like I I think that with, with social media and with just the forms of communication, we're, we're getting dumber in how we communicate and uh, why use an emoji or spell out the word your when you can, you know, like why spell the word your when you can just use you are like, I mean, come on. Like, is that because you don't know? which you're, you're supposed to be using Most right now. Most likely. Most likely. But anyway, then like, I understand that there's uh, like uh, an efficiency to that, I guess, but it's like the Seinfeld, uh, like he had a joke about the people who um, mold, uh, like you, when you're about done with a bar of soap in your shower, you take the new soap and you mold them together. And he's like, really, where's that getting you? Like, how much further along in life are you? Like, how much money have you saved? Because you've molded these soaps together. Um, and it, it's it, it, like, how many hours of your life are you have you saved? Because you typed out and you, you are instead of Y-O-U <laughs> apostrophe R-E. Right. You know. Doesn't it make you wonder how do teachers teach now? I don't know. And like, so I'm in the process of, you know, hiring individuals for the restaurant and the, like the most interesting thing that I've been paying attention to. So that I've, I've got a lot of younger people working mm-hmm. for me, people, you know, 19, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always like when they're filling out their paperwork, I just can't wait to see how they, they do their signature because signatures in theory are cursive and we stop teaching that. Oh, and what are you seeing? Um, people's handwriting is just god awful these days, like awful. Which makes sense because the like writing is is like physically writing something is kind of on its way out. Everything's digital now. So for uh, this twenty year old guy who came in, I mean, he was twenty, and it looked like his handwriting was like a, a fifth grader. So it was terrible. But I was like, oh, well, he probably just type everything. Literally type everything. There is no reason for you to be using a pen and paper. Right now. Can you even imagine? What? I I mean. Never I, writing things down? I try to do as much digitally as I can. Like, I, I yeah. I mean, I can imagine that. I, I, I've been witnessing it, as I just explained. I, <laughs> you don't have to be an asshole about yes. it, Corey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's, uh, but I mean, that's evolution. Like, I mean, you can like, uh, like, uh, like language, for example, as much as I hate it, there's certain words that get into the lexicon or, or uh, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, back in my day, we didn't, it's like, well, no, sorry. Like language evolves just like everything else. And, and we need to learn to adapt to that and, and not be resistant to these changes if it doesn't really hurt anything. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about storytelling, one of the things that we talked about with Patrick and Adriana was the um, how important stories are now because of what's happening in society with cancel culture, right? Where we're just literally trying to erase history and pretend it didn't happen. And so these stories of how things came to be or why we do things the way we do them or, you know, what, what happened in, in our past are so important and they're just not like, we don't, we don't, we're not teaching history anymore. No. And my good friend, Adam Carolla talks about this a lot on his podcast. Yeah. Um, We haven't talked about Adam in a while. I know. Sorry, Adam. 
haven't forgot about you, buddy. Um, but the uh, it, he was talking the other day on, on his show about cancel culture and how short our attention spans are. And you take somebody like Al Franken, who like the the whole scandal, quote unquote, scandal around him was dumb. He just took a goofy picture. No harm, no foul, whatever. But, like, everybody got on board. And now when people look back, they're like, yeah, what happened to Al Franken? I don't know. He probably sexually assaulted somebody or something. Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, by, by the book, yes. But, like, also, like, what he did was not bad. Like, I, I don't care who you are. But he just, he got wrapped up in that. And now he's he's just as evil as Harvey Weinstein. Oh. You know? And, and I mean, shit. Uh, was it Matt Damon, I think, came out and was like, hey, there's a difference between what Al Franken did and what Harvey Weinstein did. And then he got lumped in with Weinstein. They're like, how can you like protect these? He's like, no, I'm just saying that there's there's a difference between the two. And then he gets lumped in with that where people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you're defending predators, like sexual predators. It's like, no, I'm not defending them. Just define There's a difference. Honestly, I can't believe they're admitting that they're that someone in Hollywood is a sexual predator. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it, it's. It, and that's why storytelling is important. Um, because you need, you need to know the whole story. You don't, you, you can't just live by headlines. Right. You do need to know the whole story. And, and the thing with storytelling is that it requires practice. Like, you know, most things in your life, you want to get good at it. You've got to practice doing it. You have to practice telling the stories and you have to expect to be bad initially. Right. And so this kind of goes into, we were talking the other day about public speaking and the need to, you know, practice and you get better and better and better at it. And it's, you know, storytelling falls into that, into that bucket of wanting, you need to practice it. So people need to do it more. Yeah. And you need to, you need to have enough detail that you keep people interested and they're getting the information that they need, but you don't want to be too detailed. Because we're all guilty of this, and some people are more guilty than others. I'm not pointing a finger right now. I'm just saying, in general, some people are. But I'm like, waiting to see if he's talking about me. No, I'm not. But using too many details, like, uh, for, like I get hung up on stupid things where I say, you know, uh, you know, last week I think it was Thursday. Now maybe it was it Wednesday, and I'm like, you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day it was. It was last week. This thing happened, and here's the story. But people get into that where they're like, well, you know, the other day, and then I was at the store, and I saw this lady, and she was wearing this red dress, and that reminded me of. And I'm like, what's the fucking point? of the story like like i don't care about that woman who was wearing is it does she come back later in the story or if not you could just exclude her from that story two funny things first off that's how my mom told stories yes she'd be like well the other day i was driving down the road i was on my way to chaska and then she'd be like wait was it chaska and then she started having this entire other you're like is it important to the story yes right and then, oh god all the time and then nine toe joe Whenever I was a kid and he'd be telling a story, he'd be like, well, you know, the other day I was working on this truck and this black man came up to me and he started asking me questions and he needed directions to the local gas station. And I'm like, was the color of his skin relevant to the story? He could never tell a story without telling you what ethnicity somebody was unless they were white. If he didn't mention the ethnicity, you knew they were white. And I'm like... Nine toe, you might be a racist. Sure, uh, and yeah, again, like those those details, they can matter, but also you can omit them if you don't need them. But you need just enough to keep it interesting because nobody wants to hear guy asked me for directions the other day. 
why what what is the point of this conversation like what was the point of that story um but it's yeah it so it, it is an art and it's something that you have to practice over and over again and it's something that i think that we need to not only become better at telling stories but listening to stories yes. because that is something right there that we've all gotten worse at and some people just given up altogether they just hear what they want to hear and what's the point of the story was that at me? No. Oh, okay. Did you think it? Cause I was looking at you when I said that <laughs> and winking. <laughs> I've actually never seen you wink before. Uh, okay. The entire time I've known you, I've never seen you wink. Well, you probably never will do it again. I'm not a winker. Do it again. No, do it again. No, nah, absolutely not. We gotta, we gotta start wrapping this up because we've got a long, long, it's not that long. It's 30 minute interview that uh, we did on BizQuick with uh, Patrick and Adriana. Um, so before we go, Julie, what do you have to tell our listeners? I want to tell our listeners to enjoy this, dig in, listen, and thank you for tuning in to defeat the chaos. Make sure you tune in every week and really, really, you should start listening to defeat. Nope. <laughs> We're on Defeat the Chaos right oh, now. I know. <laughs> you should really start listening to Red Pilled America's yes. podcast. Yes, it's amazing. Should. And our own podcast, BizQuick Podcast. There you go. Which Patrick and Adriana are on. Yeah. On this show. Cross promotion here. Three-way cross promotion. Go out there, listen, everybody, and we will uh, be back right after these commercials. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. Welcome back to the show. We are so excited. We have our guests with us. And on today's show, we have Adriana Cortez and Patrick Corelci of Red Pilled America. I am fangirling so hard right now. It's kind of embarrassing, you guys. <laughs> thank you. Well, That's thank nice. you for having us. That's a nice thing to say. I, I, I just am amazed. I, I know I... I have said this to Adriana before. I am so amazed at your ability to tell stories. I have literally never heard anything like it in my life. It is just, it's amazing. So I have, I have so many questions about where you learned that skill. <laughs> you know, it's, we, we, we call it kind of audio documentaries and it was something that we did on the side for fun. Um, we had a advertising and marketing uh, publicity company for, at that time, I would say it was about uh, 10 years or so. And Adriana had these short stories um, that she loved to tell. 
And, you know, we always found ourselves at events uh, kind of uh, fighting between each other about who's going to tell the story. <laughs> and we kind of always found ourselves at events. We were kind of the storytellers. And I didn't realize this until much later um, in, in, in a kind of retrospect. But so she had these short stories that she had written and we were thinking, man, what's the best way to kind of get these out there? And so I bought a microphone. I bought this cheap little cushion thing that kind of muffled the, you know, the, the, the room sound. And um, I literally just taught myself how to produce it. And, uh, you know, we sat up in our office because we had uh, with the advertising business, you go through um, you know, peaks and valleys where sometimes we'll be doing a car launch. We were doing like big car launches for Lexus and, and Toyota. And we would be, you know, would staffed up like crazy for like five months. And then we'd have these lulls. And so we, we set this up in our, in our conference room and we started to record and we just started having a good time with it. And we brought it into some, you know, mixing software and I just started working on it. And it took me, God, to do one 30 minute piece. Uh, I think it took me like four months to kind yeah. of figure out how to do it. And, um, and we created it and we, you know, we, we used like music that we couldn't even get royalties for. We just <laughs> threw it all in there. You know what I mean? Or we couldn't get the rights for, I should say. And we just threw it all in there and just were like, just, just make exactly what we want to make. And so I think we posted it on uh, Funny or Die, I think we is did. the name of that show. Yeah. Uh, that, um, you know, and, and it's a site. Yeah, it's a site called Funny or Die. And so we posted it there and it didn't get a, like a copyright strike or anything. So we're like, oh, cool. And so we're just kind of letting it go for a while and business got really busy. And so we walked away from doing it. We kind of just focused on work and we were doing really big things with the, with some of our clients and we ran into a, a, an issue with them in, in that we didn't uh, like to be told what to say, what to do. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, we were, um, you know, we were our own business owners, but in many senses, we were kind of like a de facto employees to a certain degree, just very well-paid, you know, mm -hmm. um, employees. And so we decided, you know what, we, we got to stop doing this. We got to do something on our own. And it took us a couple years to figure out what it was we were going to do. And I think we finally kind of came to the um, conclusion we were doing. I, I loved writing in general and, and we were doing storytelling writing on the side and um, we did this piece on Hollywood. And when we did it, we said, you know, what? why don't we create a, an audio version of it like we did with with Potty Mouth? That yeah. was the first thing that we did with her was Potty Mouth. It was the, the very first story that we ever did was her getting in her very first fight. And um, it was just I mean, it was just such a fun story to do. So anyways, we did this fight. And it's the only one that I've ever been in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so so we did this uh, story on Hollywood and kind of like the history of Hollywood and the blacklisting of of certain kind of elements. And um, it was a three part series. And we decided let's do an audio version of it. And we did it. And we thought, you know, what, this is what we want to do. And it it, it took um you know, some time to get to it. And I think that's kind of a lesson that we have learned. We've been in business now. I've been in business for 23 years. She came on a couple of years after that. And, um, you know, it's just, you got to keep plugging away, keep trying different things and um, you never know what's going to hit. And, but if you stay in the game, um, something will hit. 
and it eventually hit. And so it took about a year and a half, I would say, before we really started to make um, a living, a real living on it. You know, it, it was uh, surprisingly took, um, you know, we thought it was going to take, I think so many people think when you're on the internet, it's going to take like, you know, take off immediately, <laughs> yep. you know, like everything goes viral. And, um, but it's not that way, you know, no, you, it you, takes time. You've it got really- to wake up and grind every day. Mm-hmm. And so it took us, a, you know, I think four months in, we were like, should yeah. we stop doing this? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. like, wow, I, it's I, a ton of work. Oh, I mean, it was the hardest I'd ever worked in my life. Mm-hmm. I'd never worked so hard in my life. I mean, you know, there's a reason why you watch a television show and there's only, you know, uh, you know, 10 episodes, you know, if you look on these HBO shows, it is an incredible amount of work and we're doing something very similar. We, we get scripted and there's, you know, backstories and there's sidebars. And, and so just the amount of work was crazy. And I think at one point we just said, no, let's just, I mean, we literally wrote a letter to iHeartRadio and we said, sorry, we can't do this anymore. This is heartbreaking. You know, I'm, I don't even want to get emotional like, oh, talking geez. about it. He cries um, at everything. <laughs> Before we started this, I said, don't cry today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we decided we're going to just keep plugging through and uh, it worked. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. It worked, yeah. It's so funny because there's so many parallels between, you know, your story and, and, you know, Corey and I starting this business and we started with this notion, if you build it, they will come. And that is just complete bullshit. Like there is a lot of work that goes into it. it. And it's, it, and that whole concept of, um, you know, we were both consultants before we started SB Pace and, I think we both still felt like we were just somebody else's employees. We were just being paid really, really well. And Mm -hmm. it was not enjoyable. So a lot of parallels there. And it's interesting to hear you say that about um, marketing. But I really need to let Corey talk because I swear to you, I could just take this whole show over today. I can't do that to him. I I assumed this was just going to be a Julie Gush fest with y'all answering questions. (laughs) So I'm fine to sit in the back. I've just got one question. Did you win that fight, Adriana? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I got in crane. You've seen the karate kid, you know, the, the pose that he does, that's the pose that I got into. And I think it freaked out my opponent. And uh, that was the end of that. And so, you know, by style alone, I won the fight. <laughs> so I, that's amazing. I want, there are a couple things that I just want to say really quickly. And they may be, if, if listeners don't listen to Red Pilled America, this is, they will be mostly meaningless to them, but I'm going to encourage everybody to go listen to this podcast. Uh, the first thing is I fell in love with your show with this line. And I never thought I would get to say this on our own podcast, but here it is the skinny retard. That was the <laughs> show that I was introduced to. Foghorn was my first episode that my brother sent to our family. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and when I heard that line, I was actually laying in bed one night listening to it. And I laughed until I cried at that line. <laughs> the next thing is, I never laughed so hard in my life as when Patrick talked about dancing in the, I think it's called the liberal education episode. Yeah. Yeah. Liberal arts. Oh, liberal arts. I like the backstory on that, that, that episode, I literally could feel myself in every moment of the story, like every moment, (laughs) like the cheating and like the bully and all of the things I laughed so hard. The dance when you Adriana, when you went to the dance and then (laughs) you got yanked out because you were actually not allowed in the dance. It was fantastic. 
And the episode that I knew Corey would be so excited about to hear because it's one of his favorite stories to tell. And I cannot believe you released an episode on it. And heartfelt. No, no, no. Oh, I no. love that one too. I what? use that line. I say, I say that all the time now. Well, the, the one, the one that I really enjoyed and it was an interesting experience for me because I followed it real time was the world's largest scavenger hunt. And oh God, wasn't that incredible? I thought that, that was such an incredible show. Yeah, we were on it real time as well. It too. was, and I followed it real time, and then I listened to your show, and I listened to you recap it, and then I started to think, wait, did I remember it wrong, or are they like, like, did the, are they telling the story in a different way? Like, there's all of these things where my memory of what actually happened may or may not be true, and that's flag, something yeah. that. I think that we all have like problems with, especially just, just in life that what you remember happening might not actually be what happened. Yeah. It's that's, we've actually gotten to that a lot with when we do these stories, we kind of, you kind of delve in and we have like an idea of, of the way something um, went and then you kind of start digging into it and you have a, you, you have this kind of awakening moment. You know, I think one of the times we, that kind of happened with me was um, we did this story on uh, kind of like the, the whole, you know, it, it touched on the the origins of the black lives matter movement. And we, um, we, it took us back to the black Panther movement and how that got started. And I had a kind of, you know, I think going in a very negative um, feeling of, of its origins. And when I came out of it, I kind of could see why um, the black Panther movement got started and that there was some really legitimate issues that they were addressing at the time. But it, it takes you a minute to kind of start to dig into these kinds of things. And we try to do that so often when we do these stories is, is to wipe away our preconceptions of how we're going to feel about something because it can really cloud your your, um, your your research, the way that you kind of tell the story in general. And it just becomes this kind of a, you know, it just kind of shifts something one way or the other. And we're, we're so about finding the truth and about focusing on finding the truth. And so, you know, but we've had to learn that on several occasions, several occasions that's that we've had to, to put the bias kind of, um, you know, put our biases aside as much as we possibly humanly can. It's very hard for humans to do that. I think we, we have a, we enter the world with so many different uh, preconceptions and, uh, and learned experiences. And so, it, it, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we've had to kind of train ourselves to do. And we've been doing, I mean, it's funny, we've been doing storytelling for so long, but we weren't doing it. We didn't know we were doing it. We were doing advertising and in the marketing world and any brand really is so much really about narrative and about, t- and about building your personality, your brand personality, the public. And we did that for, um, you know, on a big level nationally for Toyota for, for many years, but we didn't quite realize that that's what we were doing. We, we were just trying to get our client press. And, but what we figured out is the best way to get our client press was to um, tell stories. And so we would do it in kind of a, we know it's called branded content. That was kind of our thing for a while. Like in 2004, we started doing branded content immediately when we, it was kind of funny thing. Like the first time we got a real budget, we started doing that. And mm-hmm. so we did uh, documentaries. We did a documentary on um, Biz Marquis uh, called Stomping Grounds. And it was kind of like his old kind of hangouts. Biz Marquis is a hip hop artist uh, from from uh, New York. And then we also did one on um, Questlove and this other DJ called, uh, what was the DJ's name again? 
Um, well, King uh, Brit. King Brit, exactly. Uh, he was the Diggable Planets DJ, and we did a documentary on them, and we worked the cars into the story. Like they didn't have their, their driver's license, and our client was uh, was was Scion at the time, and so we got we then these guys are like almost in their and they're in their forties, I think some of them were, and uh, so they got their driver's license for the first time. So we worked the cars in that way, and we were doing storytelling. And it, and it would really, and it up. would start at the pitch with the client. And I don't think that we realized that until not so long ago, you know, when we were pitching the client, we were telling them a story, you know, yep. we would create a deck and then we would go in and we would pitch elaborately and, and tell a story because storytelling is just, it's so powerful and it translates to, to everything. Truly it does. Yeah, it does. And it's, um, it's the way that we kind of retain uh, information. It's the kind of way that we've passed along information. I mean, we're, we're, we're almost evolved um, to be storytellers because, you know, this recording world uh, and this internet and broadcast and radio, man, this, we, we've only been doing this for what, a hundred and, uh, you know, hundred years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about, and human history has been around for thousands of years. Uh, and so, you know, to pass along these stories, you've, you know, before the printing press, you had to tell them. And so um, I think because of that, we've evolved into these storytelling creatures, um, but so few people really understand that. And so that's one of the missions of our show is to kind of really kind of push that uh, and drive that home. That if you can uh, encapsulate what it is that you're doing and and tell it in a storytelling format, um, it will stick with people more. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that we're, uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of the missions of our show. Yeah, I I definitely understand the concept of people retain more information from a story. And when you, and that's one of the best ways to get data points across to people, right? Like true, like numbers and data is through story. What occurred to me as you were just talking, Patrick, was the amount of people that are pushing to have stories, origin stories, original stories changed because they don't like what they represent for history. And that's becoming a real problem for for us as a society. That's a huge point that you brought up there. And it is um, it's uh, so much is of our history is being rewritten. Um, We see it a lot in Hollywood where, you know, you watch a movie and you're thinking, man, I thought I knew this story. And, um, you know, I've got and you get so pulled in and compelled by the story itself. And I've caught myself at times watching something. And being like uh, completely consumed and, and, and compassionate for the people, the story they're telling. And then I remember, wait a minute. No, these guys are actually bad people. And so I've had to go back and do the research. I'm like, yeah, you know what? They actually did some very bad things and they're changing the history on this right now. And so that's why it's so important for so many, you know, for us to have as many um, voices in the storytelling game as possible, because when that happens, when people try to rewrite history, you need people to come out and kind of tell the truth and tell the and, and give the the real story behind what happened, because, you know, history is is an important part of of uh, obviously, I mean, we have to learn from history. And I think so often um, our history is being changed. And that's another reason why we ended up doing the show, I think, is because, you know, people that were kind of came from our background and maybe have our worldview weren't um, in the storytelling world. And so we thought, you know what, we need to kind of you know, make the argument to the public that more people need to be doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so much of the world we live in now also, it's not necessarily 
rewriting history, it's shifting focus. I love me a good conspiracy theory, and <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> um, you know they're, they're entertaining for the most part, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I can see that happening, but every time, like, something crazy happens in the news, Julie and I usually have a conversation of what are they, what are they trying to hide? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, a lot of businesses have a dark history or they have a, a side of their business they don't want the public to know about. My favorite story, and Adam Carolla, I listen to his podcast, and he talks about this all the time, but Subaru has a military division. They make attack helicopters, but they don't ever advertise that. They advertise emotions and good feelings and long walks in the park and saving a dog. yeah, a dog. dogs, old people mm-hmm. saving the planet, but <laughs> you know, all of those things. And it's just, it's annoying because people, I mean, but people connect with that, the emotional side of it. And there was a point where we were more fact driven, I think. And now it's gone to be, you know, like it's become more emotional driven. Yeah, we are definitely feelings over facts at this point. <clears throat> yes. Oh, one hundred percent. And it's and it's um, there's been a, a just a, the polarization, I think, has really hurt that world. I mean, the perfect example is the Olympics right now. Right. I mean, uh, how are we there? And uh, it, it kind of like really like surprises me when I sit down and really think about that. We don't know what happened with this uh, this thing that happened that we just went through with this pandemic a couple of years ago. Um, it, it seems like it, the origin came from a certain place, and yet we're all there. And um, there's a lot of human rights issues going on there. Um, that you know, and and you know, a lot of people try to you know make the relativist argument that oh, okay, there's there's a lot of human rights ha- you know you know issues here, but so much of of what's being what's happening there is being. Uh, you know, blocked out or changed or refocused or what have you. And I think that that's a big, big problem. We should be able to unite around certain kinds of things, free speech, you know, the right to work, the right to leave our house and go to work, um, you know, the economy staying open, <laughs> things like that, that we have, for whatever reason, have lost the ability to to come together in unity on. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the polarization and, you know, the, act, the aspect of, you know, we, we bring everything back to the culture when it comes to this kind of thing. And that's why we do our shows. You know, in order to kind of change minds, you need to be involved in culture. And um, I think if we had more of a certain voice within the culture, maybe a lot of these kinds of issues and a lot of this kinds of like redirection wouldn't be happening as much. Agreed. I one of my favorite stories from this past year is and I've, I've told this before, so our listeners are definitely familiar with this one is I was listening to some like news podcast and most likely the morning wire. Cause I listen to it every day. And one of the reporters was telling the story of how her grandmother and grandfather were so upset over what was happening in Wisconsin, right. With the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing and how they couldn't believe that, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse had gone out and, you know, like murdered these like black people. And mm-hmm. she was like, well, First off, nobody was black, but why are you, were you upset about all the riots that happened in all of 2020? And her grandparents looked at her and said, what riots? All we saw were peaceful protests. And it's such a testament to how much mainstream media can actually manipulate the information that we're getting. And if you are somebody who the only thing you ever do is listen to, you know, NBC or CNN or something, you, you're you not getting the story. Like, do you know how many people don't understand what's happening in Canada right now with the truckers? It's insane. Yeah. 
it is insane and it's um it's a real problem with uh our society right now and it's a real problem with businesses right now i mean you have uh, this kind of uh, culture that's being created and so many people are being afraid of being canceled and what have you. And it's a, almost like a new business concern that so many people have to kind of take into account now. I, I don't know how it stops other than more voices talking and getting the word out there. You know, it's just uh, it, those kinds of stories like the one you just mentioned there. Um, it, it surprises me how few people are willing to kind of delve in deeper and kind of get the get the true source. And we're not those kinds of people that are, you know, um, uh, we're pretty uh, independent, I would say, but you know, in this world that we're at right now, if you're if you're viewed, you know, if you're not part of the you know status quo or or the the um, authorized conversation, then you're viewed right of center. But I'd say in, in many cases where we would consider ourselves independent, so we don't like buy into the whole thing that you know certain, this media outlet is good and this media outlet is bad. Obviously, we don't like CNN and MSNBC, but we don't like f- take everything that Fox News says, for right. example, as as uh, as gospel, right? Right. We we like to go to the source, source material sor- and look at the source material and read it. But so few people have the amount of time to actually do that. So, you know, I think that that's part of part of the issue that we're running into right now. And, and, and part of the polarization is if people understood and knew those stories. I think I saw it. Um, the Young Turks had kind of an awakening moment that they, they, these YouTube uh, guys and they consider their politics progressive. And when they started to learn the details of the Rittenhouse case uh, via the the trial itself, they were having to vocally say, I didn't know that that matters. That shows self-defense. And, and so few people were willing to look into those things. We actually watched the Kyle Rittenhouse thing live and um, almost in real time, almost in real time that night. And we were like catching uh, literally everything that that came out in the in the case. We knew that night. You know, it was like we saw the people, we saw this person attack this person. So, but so few people have the 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 time and the energy to be able to look at the source material, and the mainstream media knows that, and they um, they 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 rely on on those people just not being looking into that into the into the real story. So, I think more voices changes that, though. Yeah, I I think more voices definitely changes it, and that requires a lot of courage for people because. Like people are quick to cancel other people out right now. And that's a very frightening place to be if you are a small business owner. I am curious from a storytelling perspective, do you think that a pre-qualification of being a good storyteller is being a good writer? I would say yes. In our format, definitely. Yes. Yes. Um, to a certain degree, I, I was talked we, we before this was years ago we were interviewing for another story that we had done this is before we started the podcast and we were talking to the screenwriter and he said um i asked him a question but it, he didn't answer the question that i asked but it ended up being like one of the most profound things that i had heard from anybody in, re, in relation to our business he um said you know there's no shortcuts in order to be a good storyteller you just have to keep writing and writing and writing and writing and it takes time. And I think that goes for any craft. I think that goes for anybody that's doing whatever it is that they're doing, whatever small business product they're creating, the the, the, the product that they're putting out there, you get better after time. And so, you know, there's very few um, 
examples of overnight successes. And even those are typically, you know, the years and years of build up to that point. So I would, to the, the long, the short answer to your question is, yeah, I do think that you have to, to write a lot. We basically, you know, write our, each one of our episodes is about 7,200 words or so, maybe sometimes 8,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you tell that to a writer that we're doing that many on an, on an almost weekly basis, I think we put about, about three new episodes up a month. Um, they are like, what? I mean, cause you so often you hear people like just write 500 words this week or you know, we're, so you have to put like anything, like any craft, you have to put so much time and energy into it and do it on a schedule and put it out no matter what, don't hesitate and you will get better. Don't, I mean, so, so many, so often people wait until their thing is perfect. They want their thing to be perfect before they put it out there and you can't do that either nope. you have to kind of put it out there um and it's you know in it, with his little imperfections and then get better and better and better at it but work to a schedule and be consistent yeah that consistency is key yeah ag- agreement and not being afraid to launch with something that's not perfect yeah. yes yeah. our podcast yeah, we- is a perfect example of that <laughs> yeah I mean, so is ours we so look ours. at our early episodes and sometimes we just were cringy like, oh no, what were we thinking? Or did you hear that? You know, so, you know, we'll go back and if we replay them, we'll have to completely rework that episode. Remix it, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, made a, we made a commitment fairly early on that we were just going to leave them. We're not going to do anything with them. I think if we have like old ads running in them for things that are no longer relevant, we'll flip those out. But for the most part, we leave them and, you know, that has all the filler words and it's really echoey and we're asking dumb questions. I refuse to listen to them. Yeah, you don't even listen to them now, you know, but I will, I will listen to them. And it is, it, it's amazing the difference that you see, but that's, you know, consistency is what gets you good at anything. We, we undertook a project starting on March 15th of 2021, where we decided for 365 straight days, we were going to publish a YouTube video. The videos would be like five minutes or less. And we were just going to answer a single question in each video. We were never so fucking happy when we recorded those last videos because we're just about we're done. We're done recording them. They just have to be published now. But oh, my God, it is a commitment, right? It's like marriage. That's a lot. It's a big, big, big commitment. And you have but you have to just keep muscling and muscling through. And for us, like we have the way our business is set up, we have a um, not everything that we've ever done is uh, out in the public right now. We have it most, everything is behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do is, is we release when we can't get an episode done in time, we release an an, an old episode. So that's why we remix them. Exactly. um, Ah. Is that we we're going to be publishing this out there again. And so we've got to get it up to the standards that that we're at right now. So we will go through and, and kind of, uh, you know, remix things. And we've kind of, you know, there's just a lot of little things that we have to do with our business to kind of keep it going and to keep, separate revenue sources coming in and sure. it's uh it's it's definitely been a, a challenge and what's funny you just find one little thing that you did different and we've had like you know 40 percent increase in revenue just like by turning one thing on <clears throat> so it's a it's just a constant thing where you have to keep trying new things i love ha- having a small business it is 
amazing. I, the fact that uh, I, people, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm living the dream sometimes mm-hmm. because I wake up, I'm pretty much in my pajamas all day, which is my sweatsuits. And I get to do whatever I want on that day. Um, I, I found something that I'm completely passionate about that we're both passionate about. We love doing it. Um, and it, it, I, I, I recommend it to anybody that can do it. You just have to have the ability to stick with it. And if you stick with it, you will find your way. It, it just It's just a matter of getting past that moment. So few people can get past that critical point when it looks like you have to stop. And once you could get past that point where you, you thought you were going to stop, then things start to change. And you run through that a couple of times. We've had multiple businesses. I had a a concert promotion business for my first five years when I left aerospace, I was working aerospace and um, we transitioned that into a marketing business. And then we transitioned that into a podcast business. So you in small business, you will go through, you know, big, big changes, but you just need to keep plugging and chugging. Yeah. Well, we unfortunately have to start wrapping up the show now, but before we go, is there anything that we can do for you? I would say continue doing what you guys are doing. I think what you guys are doing is really important. Talking to small businesses, um, giving them advice, giving them, you know, motivation, talking to other, uh, uh, to, uh, to other, uh, getting these kinds of insights is so, so important. And you guys think are filling a, a very valuable service. And I would say just continue what you're doing, um, is what you could do for us. Well, we definitely appreciate that, and we appreciate you being on the show. And thank you to all of our listeners. You can, <clears throat> excuse me, find out more about Patrick and Adriana on redpilledamerica.com. Make sure to check that out. Listen to their podcasts, support them, and everything that you need to know about us or uh, Patrick and Adriana is going to be in the show notes. Yeah, and if you are interested in working with us, then, well, we would love to do that with you. We have a ton of free content on our website, including free courses, Lots of articles, all of our podcasts. We also gladly accept money if you want to pay us to work with you. Everything you need to know about us is on our website, sbpace.com. And I would be remiss if I did not mention our second business, Certivium. Certivium is focused on customer service and social media management for small business owners. We take the heavy lifting so you can focus on your business. Don't forget to download and rate this podcast. Subscribe, give us a review, and reach out to us if you have any topics that you want us to cover. And don't forget about our radio show, Defeat the Chaos. It's on the Voice America Business Channel. It's every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, and you can listen to it at any time as well. Hey, you got it exactly right. Nice work on that. I practiced that last night. We wrote a book. It's called Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It is an Amazon number one bestseller. It comes with a digital download workbook that may or may not have word searches and crossword puzzles in it. And... If you already own the book, you could do us a huge favor and go back and rate and review it because you've heard us say it before, rating and reviews matter on the book and the podcast and all the things. That is it for today. I am Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, telling stories across America. Mm